Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. Well, this morning's program was kind of an introduction to uh, uh, Micah, and uh, we're we're going to go through that whole book before we're done. And uh, I didn't even really get to talk hardly about Micah, but it was kind of an introduction as to you know what's going on in the world. What can, you can do about it. And somebody has asked me to go to a meeting in Western Oregon. I don't know if we're going to go or not, but uh, they called during the show. If you remember, I've rearranged the phone so that phone doesn't ring in here anymore. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we have several lines that come in here. And I, you might hear it ring, but you won't hear the messages. But I heard his voice. And he was leaving a message about us coming there. And what he wants to talk about is dealing with government overreach. And as I was saying in this morning's program, he also was talking uh, to me once on a private conversation about the fact that, you know, because he knows I'm involved with his holy church. And he thinks, well, you you don't go to church. You believe in God. You believe in the values that God gave you and and gave us and has been teaching us for all this time. And his church is kind of out in the woods and the, and the trees and you know, amongst the people, and he is a pretty good guy, and he, he tries to do right about, you know, with everybody, but um, he uh, has a limited knowledge both in government and in what the church is supposed to actually be, and we have this idea, again, that the church is over here, <laughs> you know, and the government is over there, but then what was the conflict between the government of Rome and the government of the church? And uh, one of the things I even found myself saying this morning about people going to church, uh, going to the church, a person should say, because the church is the called out. It's not a building. It's a group of people who are called out to perform a particular task. And you're called out spiritually. And we talked a little bit about that, what metaphysics is. And uh, he's even quoting from uh, Paul. In uh, Romans, where he, he talks about, you know, uh, war not against principalities and, uh, and flesh and blood, but against principalities in high places. And there's, he goes on to talk about it, that it doesn't have depth or height, because what he's talking about is this metaphysical realm, this spiritual realm, this soulful realm, that doesn't have a measurement of height and depth. It's, it's not detectable by the senses, you know, of touch, feel, and, and uh, sight. It's actually caused by something else. It's, there's this other quantum spirituality in things that is behind the scenes and you can't feel it or touch it, but it has a great effect on the scenes that we, on, and on the world in which we live. And ultimately, that's what he's trying to tell you about the principalities, is that you work not against the flesh and blood or the, you know, three dimensions of height and width and depth and 
and and all that, but you're actually warring against a spiritual reality. And according to the Bible, uh, speaking in metaphors and allegories that God created the heavens and the earth and that there was darkness and uh, no life and he breathed upon the waters and there was life. And God instituted this life and he made the fishes and the and the plants and the animals and he gave man dominion over those things. But he breathed something in man that wasn't in everything else. And that's the spirit of God because man is made in the uh, image of God. And so you all have this spiritual metaphysical power in you. But it needs to, it, it doesn't generate power of its own. It needs to be plugged in. And you can plug into the kingdom of heaven or you can plug into someplace else like the kingdom of hell. If you plug into the kingdom of hell, you will start to manifest the patterns that come from the kingdom of hell, whatever the kingdom of hell is. I don't, when I use these terms like heaven and hell, you may have an image in your mind of what those things are, and that may not be real. Your image may not match reality, but there is a reality, and I'm not trying to project into your mind what heaven and hell looks like, or what it is, and draw the pictures like I talked on previous shows about Dante's Inferno, where you draw these pictures. Those pictures drawn in Dante's Inferno are symbolic as well. They're metaphors. It's not an exact picture. They're trying to give you an idea by drawing a picture in words. So the reality is when we talk about the church, people think, you know, if I mention church, you think of a building down the street or the Roman Catholic Church or the Episcopalian Church or the Lutheran Church or maybe the Kingdom Hall with the Jehovah Witnesses. But the reality is the church is not a building. Uh, as the word is used in the biblical context. And, of course, you don't find the word church in the original Greek. You find ecclesia. And ecclesia is the called out. And it's actually a political term where people are called out of one system because there is so much corruption in it. And they come out and form another system. And if enough people flow out of the city into this other system, they take this stand. That we're not going to do it the way we were doing it, but we're going to do it this other way. Then the the city, which has become corrupt, the civil state, which has become corrupt, collapses. Because all the people that come out are the movers and shakers and the people who actually make things happen. And that's what Christ was doing. He was calling out. First, he called out his little flock. He called out the seventy. He had quite an extensive network of people that had already been started by people like uh, John the Baptist. And they were starting to take care of all the social welfare and practicing pure religion amongst this network that Christ was creating. And then, surprised even John the Baptist, he goes back to Jerusalem and he says, or the people say, Hosanna, son of David, and he's the king. And he's in instructing people in the royal treasury and he's setting up his ministers. He's going to appoint. He said from the very beginning he was going to take the kingdom away from the guys who were running it. And he was going to appoint it to men who would bear fruit 
because the ones who were running it were not bearing fruit because their systems were making the word of God did not avail. So anyway, that sets the picture. So the church is the called out. It's it's men who take on a particular status. They cannot exercise authority one over the other. And they have to come in the name of Christ, which Christ says, I am one who comes to serve. And what what are they going to be doing? They're going to be rightly dividing the bread from house to house. Where are they going to get the bread? It's going to be freely donated to them. And what is freely donated to them is the contributions of the people and they rightly divide it. But the people get to constantly decide who they're going to donate to, what rock, what lively stone of the temple of God, the church, they're going to support. And so how do they know? And we touched on that a little bit, the description of what a bishop is and what a deacon is. Deacon is the minister of ten. So you can give to any minister, but you can give to a specific minister and have him redistributed up through this network that Christ commanded us to sit down in. So when uh, Robert was calling me this morning, or he was calling to get a hold of my son and would like us to show up at this meeting, uh, to deal with what he calls government overreach, we were actually explaining what it is that you were to do. And this is kind of what we just gone over, is that people need to organize themselves. They're not going to elect some singular leader that's suddenly going to take care of things and make things right. Israel tried that with Saul, and they ended up in a lot more trouble. They tried it with David, who was a pretty good guy, but even David was corrupted. Why? Because they're creating offices of power and power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. David was corrupted. Saul was corrupted. All these later, Rehoboam was corrupted. But the reality is, is that that's what's going to happen if you create offices of power. You want to create offices of service and that's what Christ was doing. He said, you guys are going to have, I'm going to appoint to you the kingdom. He called out this church group that were not to have any rights in the governments of the world. They had no rights to social welfare. They had no rights to the benefits. They had no personal estate. They owned all things in common. But they were supposed to provide a daily ministration through faith, hope, and charity alone. And they were going to have to do it during very hard times. This is what the church was. It wasn't a building. Now, they used buildings from time to time. They had property. They held it in common. Uh, they could sell it and take the funds for it and use it to help the people. They could keep it. They could farm it. They could do all kinds of things with it, just like the Levites. And there are cases, even before Constantine, where the church sued an international court for lands confiscated from bishops who held land. Bishops, again, not being rulers, merely the servant of servants of servants. Because it's a different kind of government. See, when I use words like bishop, people are immediately thinking of the churches they see around about them. The churches you see around about you are not the church established by Christ. They are not teaching what Christ said. And those who listen to the program regularly are beginning to find out what that is. Maybe some of you are already beginning to find out before I 
what was it I just heard uh, a little bit ago this morning that uh, Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham, I guess it is, yeah, uh, says a lot of great stuff, but he's wanting ministers to encourage the people to get the vaccination. And, of course, we've explained in great detail why that might not be a good idea. We've told you what's in it, what the scientific studies are about, how the damage that can be done. I heard a Dr. Cole today. I think I shared that on Facebook. I tried to get it shared on Facebook. It's probably going to get canceled by Facebook. Uh, Dr. Cole uh, says, that in the, and I heard this also from Dr. Tenpenny and other doctors, that... Uh, who, you know, Tenpenny's not, you know, pretty much not pro-vaccine, you could say. I don't know if you could call her an anti-vaxxer, but she certainly questions a lot of the viability of vaccines that are out there. But Dr. Cole is not an anti-vaxxer in any way. But he pointed out that all the animal trials of previous RMNA, or mRNA injections when they did animal trials, all of them, the, the animals suffered terrible, terrible ill effects. Not when they got the shot, but maybe six months to a year later when they were exposed to a similar wild virus. Now, of course, there's all kinds of coronaviruses, wild viruses out. And that's what you're going to see. And they're going to tell you that this is another strain that's making everybody so sick, but really it's because of an ADE reaction that is taking place in your body because of this shot that they have given you and what is contained in that shot. That's not the only problem with it. Then also I mentioned the S1 protein that's going to cause thickening of the heart walls, uh, doubling of placenta uh, walls, and uh, interfering with uh, completion of pregnancy and we showed you when we studied Malachi and I think most of that's up now at preparing you we showed you how it it predicts that the the wombs of your daughters will be dumping the children in the field prematurely and of course that's what was taking place when you were in the bondage of Egypt people are so ignorant of what the bondage of Egypt is it's just staggering we're all supposed to be slaves there and you know, Cecil B. DeMille's has people whipping you as you're dragging these big stones and dying in the mud pits. And really, all it was was 20% income tax. 20% of your labor belonged to the government. You didn't have to go anywhere if you could hire somebody to pay you, work your 20% off. You never even had to show up. But uh, you owed at least 20% of the labor for everybody in your household eventually. Originally, it was just 20% of your labor per household. But then, then in order to create the graduated income tax, they, as you added more children into your family, then you would owe more tax. So anyway, that's that was called slavery. So today, you know, slavery is not outlawed in the country. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact the biggest slavers in the country today are all the people who want all these social welfare benefits. They want this redistribution of wealth. They want you to pay off their student loans. People who didn't get a student loan, didn't go to college, but went to work, they're going to have to pay off the student loans of the people who 
uh, irresponsibly borrowed all this money for a degree that really didn't amount to much. Or maybe it was a good degree, but if you got a good degree and got a good job, you could pay off the loans. But the reality is, is that this redistribution of wealth is going to, and we already see it, welfare is a redistribution of wealth, social security is a redistribution of wealth. Uh, all the benefits you get because of income tax, property tax, sales tax, this is all redistribution of wealth. And it's, it's going to destroy the character and already has of the people so that they riot in the day. And of course that's what we're seeing. All these things, these social upheavals and problems that you see, if you, if you step back and see history, you see that we are producing them because we created offices of power and then we signed up for schemes that give them more power, these officers of the government, more power. See, when you sign up for Social Security, you give them the power. To, there's two powers, at least, that they give them. They can charge you a Social Security tax, which really ends up being over 14%. It was only like 1.5% to begin with, but now it's about 14%. Your employer will pay some of that unless you're self-employed, and then you'll pay it all. Or uh, the other thing that it added, it says for other purposes, you waived the right to a portion of your labor and made you subject to income tax. Uh, only people paying income tax before were fiduciaries of corporations, but you became, you developed a fiduciary relationship because Social Security does not guarantee free bread. It doesn't guarantee you any benefits. You, They can stop paying all the benefits out and you still have to pay into Social Security. They can withhold your straw so you have no straw to make your bricks with, but you still have to make bricks because a portion of your labor belongs to the government and they can raise that amount all the time. You were already in bondage since 1933. So people who say that the government has overreach and want to go back to uh, normal, normal, you were a slave in the United States. You know, like I said, my father, 50% income tax bracket. Till July 1st, he said he worked for the government. After that, he worked for himself. Now, he said that to me some 60 years ago. Or more. Actually, more than 60 years ago. I'm getting older every day. <laughs> he told me that. I can remember him telling me. I don't remember exactly what day it was. It's probably about 65 years ago. He told me, until July 1st, he worked for the government. I didn't know what he meant by that. I didn't understand because I hadn't even gotten a Social Security number yet. And eventually he got me one and handed it to me. Now, I had to give that up when I entered the church as a minister of Christ. Because a minister of Christ cannot be applying to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. He certainly should, he, he needs to belong to Christ. And so he can't even have a social security number to be an ordained minister of Christ. Now we have many ministers who are not, who do have social security numbers and they have to have it in order to make a living. 
but they don't depend upon their ministry. They only minister to ten families. They don't depend upon that for their wages and salaries and livelihood. And there is no rule yet, like there was at the time of Christ that we see in John, that if you got the baptism of Christ and joined his system of social welfare, that you were kicked out of the system of social welfare in Judea. And the fact is, there were laws in Rome at that time that when the Christians, real Christians, showed up in Rome, you could opt out of the system of the Roman social welfare, the the Roman Corbin, and opt into private religion. Around 250 A.D., they outlawed private religion and burned a lot of Christians at stake because they would not sign up for the government temples. All modern Christians, especially those that listen to apostate ministers like Franklin Graham, like the guy, probably a nice guy, probably a very moral guy. Billy Graham seemed to be very moral. They just did not preach the gospel of the kingdom. And they did not follow the directives of Christ. And they did not tell you what the directives of Christ was. And they tickled your ears and said it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you do it through government. Men who exercise authority one over the other. Christ said it was not to be that way with us. But Billy Graham and and all these other ministers, I can't even go through all their names, uh, they say that it is okay to covet your neighbor's goods. As a matter of fact, they say you're just saved by the blood of Jesus. You don't have to do anything. You can actually be a worker of iniquity and still God will call you into the kingdom if you die. But Jesus says that depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And he says it to people who think they're Christians, who think they've been following Christ. Very Direct statements right in the Bible context. And most people seem to be completely unaware of these 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 systems uh, that make the Word of God to none effect. And cause young men to do no more ought for their parents. Because they say it's, it's the government's job. It's not my job. And so that's the way they, they uh, operate. Today, and that is completely non-Christian. So anyway, there's something else that came up, and I kind of heard rumbles of it for a while, but uh, I wasn't sure too much about it. And I'll probably mention it a lot more, but I just want to touch upon it. It's this environmental, social, and governance criteria, and what it is is a ESG identity. That they will put on your company, put on your bank, put on your business, put on you. And it's a lot like the social credit score that you get if you were in China. If you say the wrong thing, suddenly you're not going to get stuff. And you're not going to receive privileges. And you're not going to receive protection. And they're going to this immunity passport now in New York and other places they're talking about it in Europe. They're going to make travel difficult. They're making business difficult. They're trying to cancel you uh, on social media. They're shadow banning people who don't have a good ESG score. And this environmental social governance criteria are set of standards for a company's operation 
that socially conscious investors use to screen potential investments. In other words, if you get a low score, they may not invest in you. If too much of your portfolio or your 401k is invested in companies that have a low ESG, you will get a low ESG too. And so what you're seeing is a division taking place in the world where the people who are going to be woke and that's they, they belong to the religion of woke and they try to get high ESG scores, they're being separated out. And the other people uh, that are, are a little bit you know, politically incorrect, or be a little bit more outspoken, don't go along with some of the crazy woke theories and the uh, critical uh, race theories that are floating around. They're not going along with that. Some of them are already rejecting the idea of masks. Like I said, this Dr. Cole was showing there is absolutely no difference and we see the same thing in lots of other countries. No difference between those that had heavy mask mandates and no mask mandates whatsoever. That mask don't stop, barely even slow a virus. Uh, and, you know, they might slow it a day or something like this for a few people. But it will also get people more sick, like we've said, that if you get, if you start replicating a respiratory virus and you're wearing a mask, especially if you're wearing a double mask, you're going to get super infected and probably end up in the hospital. And I can't believe that Fauci doesn't understand that, but he isn't real smart. So, yeah, he's very clever. But uh, if you listen to the guy who, uh, you know, they have recordings of the guy who invented the PCR test, is known as a genius in uh, epidemiology and science, and he was saying Dr. Fauci isn't that smart. As a matter of fact, he's rather dumb in his book. He's had a, had beef with him long before the COVID broke out. What uh, Fauci is, is a very good political administrator, very clever at getting into these positions of power. And then he's, he's a total, uh, you know, great reset oriented individual. And he pretty much does what he's told. And, you know, he's got, uh, what is it, disappear, disappear, um, protocols that they have out. It costs you $3,000 for a treatment. You could go down and get ivermectin from your vet store. And it would do more for you than probably <laughs> the, the stuff that he has a patent on and is selling at $3,000 a pop. So it's, it's really crazy all the stuff you see, but this, this uh, screening potential investments in the ESG is a, a system that you're going to see a lot more overreach, but it's not going to seem to come from the government. It's actually going to come from businesses who won't loan. You know, like if you if you are a gun manufacturer, you already have a low ESG. If you uh, produce ammunition, you're going to have a really low ESG. You're not going to be able to get loans. So we're going to need banks that will loan those people money. And and we probably don't want to create banks. We'd probably want to create a credit union. The point is, is that 
being, if the Bible defines pure religion as taking care of the needy of your society, the widows and orphans and needy of your society, unspotted by the world, and the word world there is actually straight out of the concordance, constitutional order and system of government. So, pure religion is taking care of the needy of your society with men who don't exercise authority but exercise service, who provide those services through free will offerings and charity. And that is the only redistribution of wealth in the kingdom of God, which is another form of government. The church is defined still today in Black's Law Dictionary as one form of government. So either your form of government is taking care of the needy of society through free will offerings and a network of charity, or it's taking care of them by force. If it's taking care of them by forced offerings, then you have created offices of power, and power corrupts. And it corrupts not only those with power, but those that do not have to exercise choice on a day-to-day basis. Like Archibald said, that uh, that if you don't have the right to choose, you have become a person, a thing. And that's what's happened, is that you've given your power to take care of your neighbor, to love your neighbor, to provide for your neighbor to a government that exercises authority one over the other, even though Christ said it was not to be that way with his followers. So anybody who is that way with is not following Christ because you're directly disobeying the few commands that he gave us. So you're not a Christian. And so therefore, you're not going to see how many times that I read this in this morning in Romans, where else in Ephesians, that your eyes would be darkened, you will not see the problem. And I could, you know, somebody would probably want me away. If you just get Trump elected, then he will solve the problem. No, I'm telling you, no, that won't do it. No, I, I absolutely agree that the election was stolen from Trump, but it's it's not. Getting it back to Trump, I think it's good that you try to get your votes so that they're honest voting. But uh, the reality is the solution is to do what Christ said, is you create something outside of the government, something that is separate from the government, an institution that is not of the world of government, of the world, not a part of that system. Separating church and state. Church being the called out. They have to be separate. So like me, even though I paid into Social Security for decades and decades and decades, I'm well into my 70s and I'm not taking a dime from Social Security. Because I waived my right to that long time ago. And I did it absolutely legal. We explain all that in the Free Church Report, which is another book that I've written, free online. That's right. All my books are free online. All the ones that uh, that a person could buy. You can't buy the a minister's manual. We won't sell that. That goes to ministers. And the way you become a minister is you sit down in groups of ten, like, like early America. You know, when... Um, Paul Revere, who got lost and didn't get too many people warned about the British coming, but there were other writers going out who didn't get lost, and I, I'm not picking on him. 
he's riding around in the dark. And he probably got a hold of some guys, but the way they did it, they didn't have to go out and tell everybody. They didn't just go riding through town screaming. They were organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. You wouldn't know that from the modern history books. That that was a very common way in which to organize the people when there was a fire, when there was sickness, when there was uh, you know drought, whatever it was. People already organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. The first public schools were not built with tax dollars. They were built by the militia who were already organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. They not only built schools, they built roads, they built hospitals. They built all the social welfare structures in unity together with free will offerings. This is what made America great. You wouldn't know that from going to school for any time in the last 100 years because all that's been deleted from your school books so you don't even know. You have to go back and read older accounts of the time. You know, Even Charles and Mary Beard are not going back far enough. But anyway, this is how they were able to muster whole armies overnight and stop the British. So, not that I'm suggesting that that's why we organize. If you organize in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, you won't starve when there's food shortages. When If you don't get injected, you're not going to get an immunity passport and you're not going to be led into Costco or Walmart or Safeway because you don't have an immunity passport. They already got guards at the door to make sure you're wearing a mask. But you're going to have to hold up your smartphone or hold up ID that shows that you have been vaccinated. This is what they're planning in Europe. This is what they're planning in New York. And they want to get it everywhere in the country. Now, they might not get it that way in Idaho, although they're talking about it. They might not get it that way in uh, South Dakota, but uh, South Dakota is one little state with one small population. You have to be as caring about everybody else. And this has to be a massive movement eventually. And you don't join anything, although you organize yourself by sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And this is why we have it set up. And uh, the uh, com. Where we have a lot of this information, shows you what the Social Security Act is, shows you what real money is. Uh, somebody just somebody's taking some of my old programs and putting them on YouTube, and uh, in preparing you is uh, we have several preparing you sites, preparingyou.com and other preparing you sites, and people are putting together these programs explaining these things that this lowly shepherd out in the desert put together now. I give the, all the credit to God. God gave me a father who wrote law books and took me into court when I was a small boy and uh, sat and talked with me about the law and showed me, you know, in his study, instructions of the law. Didn't know why it was important. But, you know, whatever it was now, 30, 40 years ago, I'm out here on the desert raising sheep, which I told my father when I was seven years old I wanted to raise sheep. Didn't know why. Never even seen a sheep as far as I can remember. But I wanted to raise sheep when I got older. And lo and behold, that's what I'm doing. I, but I also, when I was 13, I went to St. Joseph's College to study to be a priest. And I saw the inside of religion. Learned a little bit about Greek and Hebrew and Latin. And uh, this... We're all tools 
putting the law together, putting the Greek together, putting what I saw on the inside of the Roman church, because I was studying in a society directly under the auspices of the Pope. I always have to add, not the Jesuits. <laughs> People always think I, I, I was uh, Jesuits. But uh, meeting certain people, which I've talked about, that showed me things that you wouldn't get in most places. They were put in my path by God through this metaphysical thing we call spirit so that I would have information in my head and remembered. I always refer to them as Kodak moments. Certain things would happen. I can remember the day that my dad handed me a social security card when I was seven years old. And I read it and I looked at the back and I read the back and I knew it was significant. I knew it was important. But I didn't know why. I can still see the card in my hand. I can't remember the number anymore. That has been blocked out. <laughs> but uh, this is the Spirit of God working in my life. To put me in places to know certain things, to hear certain things, to be taught certain things. So that one day when I knelt down out on the desert and felt frustrated, had everything I thought I wanted, family, children sheep uh, on the desert in my own home that I owned because I built it myself with my own two hands. No debt. I was always abhorred debt. I got into debt for a very short period of time and hated it. I wanted to get out of debt almost immediately. I actually did it twice. And the second time I knew that was the end of it. And then the next house was this house uh, that I'm sitting in now. Uh, which I've already given to my kids and I'm I'm going to be living on the church property as soon as I get a sighting shows up. <laughs> and uh, we have somebody who can full-time live in this house, which may be not very far away. But the uh, the reality is, is that this is the Spirit moving in my life beyond my control. I believe that it's moving in my life because I was willing to see the things that I thought were true, were not true, and was willing to change my mind. If you're listening to us with any kind of regularity, you need to be willing to change your mind about what you thought was true. That's why we look up all these facts, to help balance the scales, because you have ideas and you think they're true, and we say they're not. We don't expect you just to believe us, so we have to show you why they're not. So the church is not a building. It's not really an institution except that instituted by Christ. It says that in the legal definition. The church is established by Jesus Christ. It wasn't established by Constantine. A church was established by Constantine, but not the church established by Christ according to legal definitions today. It's established by calling men out and expecting to follow the Holy Spirit as it guides their steps, their mind, their soul in this world. They are commanded by Christ. That's the word it says in the Bible to make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands before they receive the benefits of the church. And what are the benefits of the church? Because the church is supposed to be a benefactor just like the governments of the world are a benefactor because they're both forms of government. The church is, definition again, in Black's Law Dictionary, one form of government. 
The form of government that the church is, is this offices of service, not of power. A minister of God does not have power to make you do anything, to force you to do anything. It has the power to decide what to do with the burnt offerings, with the free will offerings that has given it, and rightly divide the bread from house to house. So that when there's famine and when there's hardship that they can help people out. And God has been teaching me about that for the last 20-30 years as we've been helping other people out. We cast our bread upon the waters. You wouldn't believe how many people we just helped out because it was in our nature to do it. Because it was written in our character to do it. And it ended up providing us with the means that we have today to do what we need to do. But I'm not going to be here forever. You're not going to be here forever. You say you believe in Jesus. You you believe that whatever is going to happen, God is in control. The question is, what side of the river are you on? Like I said, this ESG score is environmental social governance criteria that is coming down the pike, so to speak. You know, and many mutual funds and brokerages, firms and... Uh, uh, robo-advisors now offer products that employ ESG criteria. And this EG, ESG criteria can also help investors avoid companies that might pose a greater financial risk due to their environmental or other practices. And so, you know, gun dealers, oil companies, they have low ESG uh, scores. And if you have that in your Pope, portfolio you may have a low uh, score and they're actually saying you don't have to hire people with low scores you get to hire people with good scores so this is the new race that that you're going to be able to not hire people with low scores not give them loans not provide them services not let them fly on your airplanes not let them do all kinds of things that we talked a couple of weeks ago about all the laws that are being proposed in Congress in Oregon that are going to allow companies to say, well, you can have a concealed weapons permit, but you cannot have the gun anywhere in our company. Yeah, it, uh, apartment complexes, that, that that's the new bigotry, the new prejudice, that if you have a concealed weapons permit, you may not be able to go into this store. If you don't have the vaccine, you may not be able to go in this store. So what they're doing is separating out people who think a particular way. And people who don't have, don't think like they want, get canceled, like uh, uh, Gina Carana. She was canceled because she had more conservative opinions. So what's happening? She immediately gets hired by other conservatives. And so that's part of that separation of the goats and the sheep that's taking place. Remember, Christ came to bring a sword. And those people who have more kingdom tracks in their life. I'm not saying, you know, like Ben Shapiro and Charlie Kirk and and uh, Candace Owens and all these people are, you know, real Christians. But I hear in what they're saying, they seem to be closer in many ideas than uh, Franklin Graham. Because they're not saying that they think that Jesus would take the vaccination. Now, 
Speaking of vaccination, Ben Shapiro thinks that forced vaccinations for children is an okay thing. But he also thinks that the government should not be in the business of marrying people. So there's a dichotomy. He still thinks some ways, like Christ, that, you know, your marriage should be before God, like the early church was saying, that you, we just keep record of it as a witness. But we're not a party to the contract. The contract to marry is between you and your spouse. The fact is, is that the idea of having a state-sanctioned marriage, that's a three-party contract between you, your spouse, and the government. And the government has a deciding power of an, an authority over that union and the products that come from that union. We have, go read the covenants of the gods or the, you know, holy matrimony versus marriage. Um, and we quote the law. We show you what the law says about those things. The contractual nature of government. So back, how do you deal with the overreach of government? You find out how you they got the power over things like your marriage, your children. Do you own your house? Do you own your land? Do you own your labor? We show you in the covenants of the gods that you've made agreements because your church was not warning you. And we also showed you in reading about the prophets how they said they would darken your eyes. You would not see this. Your ministers would not tell you. The watchmen on the wall would not show you. We'll see that in Micah. Because the watchmen don't see. Because the sight, Jesus said, (laughs) he come to take sight away from those who say they see. He will give sight to the blind, but they have to believe. Believe in what? Believe in love rather than force. Believe in charity and hope rather than force contributions, covetous you know, practices. So, yeah, you're not going to solve this government overreach by passing some more bill. We talked about that when we talked about Tacitus a week ago. The more laws, the more corrupt. The more power you give your leaders, the more they will become corrupt. And right now we see a massive movement. Now, I don't think the power was all that legitimately obtained, but it's they're still the ones in charge. They're still the ones ordering the state police around and the military around and everything else. I mean, Pelosi's, you know, one person away from, uh, virtually one person away from becoming president of the United States. <laughs> that's amazing, isn't it? And uh, that's because Biden, if he continues to go downhill as he is, seems to have been, he's getting senile and, and very incompetent. Kamala is going to become the president of the United States. Now, she might appoint another vice president that would be confirmed by the Senate and Congress. But if she doesn't, and something happens to her, then Pelosi becomes the president. It's just staggering who has all the power. And it's because you created offices of power. People who seek power have sought offices. There is no fixing the system. And if you go back and you read our free book online, Contracts, Covenants, and Constitution, we explain the weaknesses of the Constitution of the United States, the fear 
that early Americans had about the Constitution of the United States, the fact that most Americans opposed the Constitution of the United States, but it was never put to a popular vote. But everything they feared has come about. You are not going to put new wine in old wineskins. Now, there are some things that a person could do in the system as it exists now to kind of cushion the crash, <laughs> so to speak. But uh, what you need to do is sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Start developing the bonds that will hold up during hard times. And what the hard times doesn't destroy will strengthen be strengthened by hard times. Well, hard times are coming. It's inevitable. The The food chain is already disrupted. The The banking system is st- going to start with runaway inflation shortly because you just spent trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars you didn't have. And government overreach is already grounded and rooted because the people overreached outside of the parameters of Christ. Instead of following what Christ said to do, you did the opposite. And your ministers, your brutish pastors, did not tell you. And we explained so much of that in the last few shows. But anyway, so now you have this new environmental social governance and a new uh, immune or uh, health passport that's going to get you onto planes, going to get you into concerts, and everybody... We'll only get them. We just just started uh, uh, Oriental. I don't remember what her name was. Uh, nice looking young lady talking. I guess she used to be in the abortion business, but uh, talking to Cuomo, the not the governor, but the newsman, saying that we can't open up yet. We have to get the passport in place. So you get the passport once you get the vaccination. So we have to get everybody vaccinated with no understanding. No understanding. They haven't read the reports on the S1 protein. They haven't read the reports on the dangers of mRNA. Now, we link to them. You can go to Preparing You. You can read the science. Now there's all kinds of more material coming out. But if you just read the original reports, which we have offered you and show you a synopsis of under the article, The Science, and there's hundreds of links to other articles we've written on that, I've written on that, and there's others that are now contributing as well. But uh, you would understand that, man, you don't want this shot. It, it, it cannot... It's illegal for the government to approve a vaccination that has not been tested by the FDA. This one has not been tested. So how are they getting away with it? Well, they say there is no treatment for the coronavirus. Only if there is no treatment, no protocols for treatment, then they can approve the vaccine on the emergency basis. Not because it was tested, because this has not been tested. Had it been tested, you'd have seen the animals dropping dead already. But it takes a little bit longer for people because we have a longer lifespan. But you won't get through next winter without people dropping dead. And then, of course, there'll be more draconian overreach. Uh, But it's not really overreach because you did it to yourself. You went down and got the vaccination. There are all kinds of people warning you about this. But you don't listen to them. You're not in a network. 
that warns you about this. We warned everybody in our network. They all know. I don't, most of them already knew because of the early stories we put out that they wouldn't take the vaccination. And like I say, the Dr. Cole just came out with the, uh, I can't remember who he's with, but like I said, I shared it on Facebook. He's in Idaho. Uh, certified John Hopkins pathologist. Knows what he's talking about. Shows you the numbers. Shows you the statistics. Not an anti-vaxxer. And warns, I wouldn't take this vaccine. All the animals died. <laughs> or became severely ill. Many of them became infertile. Because they had, you know, uh, previous mRNA shots that they tested. Not even counting the S1 protein. Because it's the S1 protein that has all these other side effects. And now they all have that. And I, I, I think you may be seeing a plague of destruction. But the people brought it on themselves. They, they drank the poison. They drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, because they belong to the imperial cult of the United States. And if you don't know what that means, look up Imperial Cult of Rome at Preparing You. And we have an article that explains what that was. And it was simply a Corbin system of social welfare where you signed up and had to pay in. And it dumbs you down. And according to Polybius, it turns you into perfect savages. And then you think your master is overreaching. But you overreached into your neighbor's pocket to get benefits at their expense. You were willing to take a bite out of your neighbor. That's another article. Look up the word bite. at preparing you. It says, be careful you do not bite one another lest you be devoured. So, yeah, you, what you are calling overreach is the fact that you've sold your labor, you sold your property, you sold your children. You don't want to think you have you want to think you're just a nice guy and you may be a nice guy but you don't understand the law and I'm not just talking about the legal system almost nobody understands that because it's got thousands upon thousands of laws but I'm talking the maxim of law as it's been understood since the age of reason and long before that if as you judge so shall you be judged if you think it's okay to take from your neighbor to get the benefits you want, then it's okay for your neighbor to take from you to get the benefits he wants. If you think it's okay to force your neighbor to comply with your mask mandates, then it's okay that your neighbor forced you to get an injection of an untested chemical. It's You're creating the power of this overreach. There is a way in which to slow this process and turn it absolutely around the other way. And that's what Christ was actually teaching. He wasn't teaching you how to join a church and go to listen to music and preach preach your sermons on Sundays or Sabbath. That's not why Christ came. Christ was actually teaching you another form of self-government. Like I said, the Wycliffe Bible in the introduction said this book is for the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. Church is just the men who are willing to... And, and you see this 
with uh, some of the presidents in the past, uh, you know, the peanut guy, Carter, that when he became president, he put all of his holdings in a trust because he didn't want to make decisions that would make him wealthy. Well, it's a little bit like that if you're going to be an ordained minister of Christ, that you have to, you become this separate, like the Levites were separate. That's what holy means. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, walk on water or anything. It means that they are separate. And that when you give an offering to them, it's not yours anymore. But you don't, you get to choose who to give it to, when to give it, and how much to give. And it puts you in a network where the power of choice is mostly in the hands of the people. That power of choice is in the hands of the people. And if you don't have that power of choice, then you have men who exercise authority one over the other, and they shall rule over you. And of course, that's what you've done, is that you have created offices of power, and now those men of power who seek office will rule over you. It's not overreach. It's what you are to expect once you go down that road. But now join us on the network and you will find the other road that leads back to freedom. But you have to think differently, which is what repentance means. Until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.